This is Female Focus with Audio Technica. Today we're talking to Zylo Aria, a singer, producer and entrepreneur and the founder of Music Production for Women as well. Okay, so welcome Zylo. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Are we talking to you from, is it Melbourne? Yes, I'm in Melbourne. Got here about a month ago. So you must have made it just before, because you came from the UK, didn't you? The whole um, shutdown thing. I know people were getting quarantined for four weeks, was it, when they were arriving? Yeah, something like that, and in a hotel room on their own. But I thankfully missed all of that, so I'm just just with my family. So it's, it's much nicer than being stuck on your own in a hotel room. Oh, yeah, of course. It's all right. <laughs> so how are you finding the whole lockdown situation? What have you been up to? Um, to be honest, the, the first two weeks was really, really nice. I didn't miss stepping out of the house at all, and houses in Melbourne are a bit different. We've got a pretty nice big backyard in the back, mm. so we've got some trees and our little veggie garden and stuff. So you can, like I was sitting under the tree, like reading a lot and, uh, you know, connecting with my family who I hadn't seen for a long time. So it was really, really nice. Last couple of weeks, maybe a little bit more restless, but I really can't complain compared to some people. So um, it's been fine. No, of course not. Yeah, some people have it a lot worse and it's good to kind of make the most of it. And really nice yeah. to learn it on your own because obviously so many people are. Um, and, yeah. you know, we might take that for granted a bit or, you know, have the joke about your family annoying you or your other half. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. speaking from personal experience. <laughs> but it's nice not to be on your own, basically, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, so just to give you a bit of an intro for our listeners, um, you're the founder of Music Production for Women, which was formed in mm-hmm. early 2019, so not that long ago, <clears throat> excuse me, um, mm-hmm. And it's a community and an online sort of learning platform which encourages and empowers women taking their first steps into music production, isn't it? So um, just at the moment, currently, with the whole lockdown situation, what's going on with MPW now? Are you able to carry on doing any online classes or what's happening? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I mean, knowingly or unknowingly, I made it so that the whole platform was online. So... Uh, mainly because I I started it when I was living in the UK and I knew I wasn't going to be living there for a long time. So I wanted to be able to continue it from wherever I went. Mm. So the, the major chunk of MPW is online. We were doing some events and workshops around London and in schools and colleges and things like that. But obviously that's all stopped for the moment. But mm. The main course and community is online and we do kind of uh, catch-up calls that are like Zoom calls and, and things like that. So uh, it's always been that, that way. So it hasn't really impacted MPW other than the fact that the demand has increased a lot <laughs> because I think people are, are wanting to learn something new in this time. So, yeah. um, so there's been a lot of a lot of engagement, which is nice. Well, that's good. It's actually worked out quite nicely for you then, hasn't it, with the whole online platform side of it? Um, yeah, so, yeah. So um, when we go back to when you first did it, so what made you first want to start this initi- initiative? Um, did you see any kind of barrier for women wanting to get into music production? Yeah, definitely. So I started as a singer and a vocalist, so I've been singing for as long as I can remember, really. And uh, I was writing songs and always getting other producers to produce them. And they, you know, invariably always happen to be men. And, um, and I don't know, my experiences, for whatever reason, and I don't like to generalise, but, you know, personally, mine were not always super positive. So... Mm. I eventually decided that the best way forward for me would, was to learn to produce and to be self-sufficient. So I wasn't always relying on others. And um, once I made that decision, kind of learning to produce was a very lonely journey, I would say. I just, um, you know, every forum I went to, you're one of the handful of 
of girls or yeah. if any in the room and um and and you know some people can say you know that wasn't really a barrier because there was nothing stopping me or other women from from being in these spaces which is true and i think but a lot of that because of the way things are it's really hard to speak up in those circumstances yeah. so you know when you're in a room full of guys and someone asks you if you have if any questions you don't want to be the one kind of odd out girl who's like I didn't get any of that and um and yeah but slowly after things started falling into place and I and I, I was releasing music that I'd produced on my own um it was just such a freeing experience and and very empowering in the sense that when I was working with other people and collaborating with other people, I felt like I had a lot more to offer and I wasn't going there kind of desperately waiting for this person to create my track and kind of fine with whatever they came up with because I just didn't know um, what to do if this person wasn't there helping me. So and once I kind of got to that stage, I, I realized there were probably a lot of other women who were in the same position that I was and didn't even consider producing for themselves because they just felt like it's it's not a space for them. And, um, and I just wanted to do something to change that and to help women kind of get out of that situation and learn in an environment that's super encouraging and supportive and, um, and, you know, it's called Music Production for Women, but it's, it is open to anyone. So if anyone wants to join, you know, if they're men, non-binary, whatever it is, everyone's more than welcome. But it will be a space as opposed to other spaces that are production-related that will be majority women mm-hmm. for anyone that's uncomfortable in all the other spaces like I know I was. Yeah, so it sounds like you know, you're doing a pretty good job of removing that first barrier. So how do you go about removing that, I guess, almost call it fear factor for women wanting to dip their toes into the world of music production for the first time? So the first thing is I offer a free introductory class, which is a one-hour class and goes through the very, very basics of production. And together we create like a really simple beat with four elements and I just talk through a production software and how to navigate it and just in really plain English without bringing in a bunch of jargon and, and things just to show people that if someone if someone shows you step-by-step step what to do, it's probably not as intimidating as you might have thought it was previously. So the feedback I've gotten, you know, quite often after that is, wow, I didn't realise it could be done this easily and that's exactly it you know once once I think people come to that realization they're like oh maybe this is something I can do but if you're scared to take that first step then it still feels like this really foreign thing that's so technologically heavy that Mm. it's only for a certain type of person And I saw that there was this mad statistic from a few years ago. Um, I think it might be on your website as well, uh, Music Production for Women, that um, at a time that only 5% of music producers are female. So hopefully it's a little higher than that now, but it's still a really disappointingly low number, isn't it? So what do you you make of this statistic? Um, Yes, it is very low and... To be honest, I don't know when that last study was because I don't think there's been a, a more recent look into this. But let's say if it, even if it was double that, it's not really a great number, yeah. uh, which I don't think it is. Um, but I think there's a lot of contributors to that. Firstly, the lack of role models. So I think... There's a saying, I don't know who said it, but you can't be what you can't see. So if all you're seeing is, you know, white male producers, then if you don't fit into that mould, then 
you immediately feel like it's not a space for you. And it's not to say that there aren't some really incredibly talented female producers, but I think there's, there's clearly not enough of them that you don't see them much in in the media or in when you're doing a typical YouTube search of anything um, yeah. production-related. You just don't see any women. And, um, and, and when you keep coming up against that, you're like, okay, maybe there's a reason for this. Maybe it's just that women are, are not good at this. And, and sadly, th- this is something that I used to think as well. It was something that was in my head and I can't really understand how it got there. But I think it's all these little things, you know, you just, you don't see enough women doing it. So you feel like it's not a space for you. And then every other space you go to, to learn more about it is so heavily male dominated that again, you feel like you don't belong there. So, um, I think those are the, the main things, but there's, there's obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of other issues as well. I think women just also, and it's something that we do often, um, maybe we need to empower ourselves to kind of push ourselves to get out there a little bit more as well. Um, but yeah, I'd say those are the main points. I think you're right. And it's almost seen as almost a novelty, I suppose, if someone were to have a female producer in the fact that someone might point it out like, oh, it's a female producer. Like that's something Mm. surprising. I mean, even when, you know, certain musicians have all female bands that gets drawn attention Mm -hmm. to and people love it. But so often it could be the case that people just have all male bands, but it just happens to be that they're all male. But you don't notice it, do you? Because you're so used to it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, so what do you think it is that's historically put women off if that is the way of going about it sort of getting into music production I mean do you think there just aren't as many opportunities do they not feel welcome or there isn't like you said there just isn't enough visibility perhaps at the learning level or whenever people start thinking about you know pursuing a career or something yeah I I think I wouldn't say there's not enough opportunity um I think it's not taken up as much because of the visibility factor. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is my thinking. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what is going on, but I also heard somewhere that um, in kind of early high school stage, interest in production among girls and, and boys is quite equal and then it, it drops very steadily and heavily every year after that. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why that is, but I, I think I think visibility is, is a big part of it. Um, but, yeah, because it, it was the same thing with me, you know. I, I started producing when I was in, I think, year eight or nine or something, how old would I have been, like 14, 15. Oh, really early. Um, right? But I... Yeah, but I completely disregarded it. You know, I I started and I was like, oh, this isn't something I can do. So I remember sending demos to my producer and uh, at the time he said, you know, these, these are pretty good. And I was like, oh, no, of course they're not. You know, I, I can't produce. Can, can you redo this essentially? You know, because I just didn't think that I could put the producer title on myself because I didn't fit the role model um, for that. So, yeah, and then it it wasn't until, you know, I I started producing again about four years ago, which is a lot, you know, further from when I was 14 years old. But um, I I found those files recently, actually, and I was really surprised at their quality. And and I was like, wow, you know, if, if only I kept going from then, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be now, but I, I stopped for so many years in the middle because I just didn't feel I could do it or mm. that it was a possibility for me to to become a producer. Okay. 
And I know that some women feel, and maybe in a lot of job roles, not just music production, that, you know, perhaps you don't want to share a strong opinion or something. You don't want to be seen as being bossy or irritating. So maybe that translates to the studio. If you're in a studio full of maybe more experienced men, you know, you don't want to jeopardise that career or possible opportunities, do you? Or be seen as perhaps difficult to work with. So I was wondering um, if you've experienced anything like that or what your personal experiences have been from that side of things. I think it's hard for me to comment on that because I've never I'm a I'm a self-producer so I've, I produce my own music mm-hmm. I've worked a little bit with others but I don't really produce for others in a studio setting and um, I'm not really sure that's something that I would enjoy so much so it's not really something I aspire towards so I think I probably haven't dealt with those issues that I, I know some people have, um, but from what I know of, of people that have dealt with those issues is, yes, that does come up and it's, it's a bit of a learning curve of how you deal with those issues. Um, and I think they're having a community or mentors is so important um, because, just to just to know how how others have dealt with this in the past, um, because it it can be one that's tough to navigate. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess this question's a bit strange because it just wouldn't, you know, be applicable. But you know, this is music production for women, and if there was a music production for men, there'd obviously be a negative response. But obviously, it's not needed because, like you said, the majority of people following this as a career are men, but um, I'm just wondering, are men supportive of what you're doing? Have you had um, some positive comments um, from them or negative? Um, you know what's surprising? And this is, uh, I find, I mean, it used to these things upset me, but now I really don't care. But unfortunately, the more negative comments seem to come from women. Um, oh, really? I'm surprised at that. Yeah, no, it's true. So uh, the women seem to feel degraded that they have a thing for women. Um, And I understand, you know, I I thought many times of what I should call this. And then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, I want people to find this. And how do I make it the most easy to find Mm. is... I think just naming it exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, Got to get the SEO in, right? Exactly. That's <laughs> it. I, I was literally thinking about that. And um, at the end of the day, what people perceive, I think, is just comes by their own insecurity, you know. Like if, if someone feels really, personally, I would say insecure, then they would feel you know, degraded by that. But I think for people that understand at the moment that there is a need for this, and there is because there, there wouldn't be a demand for it otherwise, then then it's something that's necessary. And and what I have to say when people say, you know, why does this exist and why do we need this, is that, you know, if we didn't need it, then... No, there wouldn't be a demand for this because people would feel as comfortable as they do within the MPW community outside of the MPW community, but clearly they don't, which is why they look for this. Mm. So I will keep going with this until the need for it becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the actual classes themselves, I know you teach them, don't you? And the first is a free intro to music production masterclass and then there is an introduction to music production online course, which is after that, if you want to pursue it. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about what they learn on the course and the structure of them. Yeah, so the course is six modules. So I always forget all of them, but it starts with drums, synth, and then it goes into recording, um, audio effects, uh, mixing and I've I've forgotten one as I always do but um, essentially it's all the building blocks that you need to get started in production and 
the the point was to give to give everyone enough information on a variety of topics that they will be using every day when they start producing mm. without going into depth because I feel like when you when someone doesn't know anything and you're talking about parallel compression for example then it's likely that they're going to switch off and be like okay maybe this is not for me but I feel like if we go through all the basic stages and leave out the things that are not necessary for step one then you can get someone excited about it and feeling um feeling like it's something that they can do and then once you kind of get rid of that fear factor then you can get into the more complex things and I think there's a there are a lot of great resources out there but when you jump into them straight away without knowing the basics then you can feel a bit overwhelmed and decide it's not for you Mm -hmm. so you go through these six modules and I think the main thing that sets MPW apart is the community so you get with the course access to our community where we do like weekly feedback sections we do monthly group calls just to see where people are at we do monthly accountability so if someone wants to reach a goal we'll kind of keep people accountable to it because you're much more likely to do something when you tell 10 other people than if you tell yourself because we lie to ourselves a lot but um so the community helps people to kind of stay on track um and and supports each other you know if if anyone has any questions Everyone is really, really nice about um, offering um, whatever knowledge that they have. Um, so that's a really big part of it. And then, of course, we have other things like a collabor- collaborators list for people to work together um, and um, a few few other things as well. So um, I, I feel like it's everything in one place that you need to get started that I wish I had when I was starting out. Yeah, and I know the main aim of the masterclass is, is like you said, to get them familiarised, you know, with production software, the basics of using it. And I know you use Ableton, don't you? So what do you like about using it and how is this implemented within the course? How does it help all of your students? So there was a reason that I chose Ableton. So I did some research before I started and the main reason for me was I wanted to be self-sufficient in every way. So that included uh, producing, but also included playing live. So when you're thinking about playing electronic music live, um, I don't think you really have any other option compared to Ableton. There's a reason it's called Ableton Live is because it integrates so well with, with playing live um and uh, and improvising and all that while you're playing live so when i kind of put those considerations uh, into thought when picking a production software it was kind of a Mm no-brainer um and it's not to say that that's the best software for for everyone like I, i do believe that every software has its strengths and uh and you know, if you're doing lots of recording, for example, I wouldn't choose Ableton. Um, but that live element for me was really important. And also I think once you get past the initial um, phase of using Ableton, because I think it, it is a little bit different to other DAWs, um, once you kind of get past that, then I find it quite intuitive to use as well. So um, I think there's a few few things that you can do really quickly in Ableton, which are a bit more clunky and and uh, and just take a bit longer in in other softwares. Mm-hmm. And in addition to Ableton, your classes are run in affiliation with its Novation and Focusrite as well, isn't it? So, what do you mm-hmm. like about using those brands, and what do they each bring to the course, and just the overall learning process as well? Yeah, so I um, so with Novation, they had a little pop-up store um, in Shoreditch last year for three months, and it was such a nice space. And they organised um, workshops 
two or three times a day, I think, um, for those three months. So it was such an amazing resource that they put together. And um, they asked me to run a few workshops there. And um, a lot of them were on Ableton and integrating um, Novation MIDI controllers with Ableton. Mm -hmm. And um, I used the Novation Launch Key 49 when I play live. So um, there was, yeah, so I could kind of show people how to um, use those together because Novation, the way they build their, their MIDI controllers, I think they really strongly have Ableton in mind and, and all of the mappings work really well with Ableton and Session View in Ableton. So um, it's really nice to show people how how well they integrate and how they can work together. And um, Focusrite was the um, was the interface that I started with. So uh, I think it's a really, really nice, um, the Scala is a really nice entry-level um, uh, interface. And in my uh, little guide that I put together for people on things that they need to get started, um, I think that's a really, really nice interface to get started. And um, um, so that's something that I, uh, yeah, I, I recommend to people. And um, and as a brand, they've been really supportive, Focusrite and Novation uh, and Ableton as well, of MPW and what I'm trying to achieve, which is really, really encouraging for me and uh, and and necessary, I guess, for this project to kind of um, get out to as many people as possible. Yeah, and do they help spread the word with you as well? Uh, yes, uh, yes, as much as they can, I guess. So uh, actually with Novation, with their Launch Key Mini um, product launch, uh, I did, so they asked me to be in their uh promo videos, I guess you could call it that, mm -hmm. um, for the launch of the uh, Launch Key Mini. And um, in that, they were really um, encouraging of kind of spreading the word about MPW and mentioned that, um, yeah, that they'd be more than happy for me to kind of talk about that in, in the product launch video because um, it's something that they're really encouraging of. So, it's, it's really nice to see. Yeah. And I know you've recently obviously just moved to Australia, but so what did you have in your home studio or do you have, if you've managed to get something set up there? Oh, well, most of my studio is in a ship somewhere between the UK and Australia. Okay. So uh, I hope I will be reunited with it in a month's time. I've already been away from it for, for two months and, and yeah, really looking forward to having my gear back. But at the moment I have a really teeny tiny setup. So I've got my laptop and I've got my Sennheiser HD, HD 2A mm -hmm. headphones, uh, which to be honest, which is what I tell everyone in MPW is that you don't need all of the bells and whistles to get started in production. Technically, all you need is a laptop and a pair of headphones. So you can do a lot with that mm -hmm. um, before you add a bunch of other things to your kit. But um, and I have a uh, I have another interface uh, which is the EVO uh, four, which released quite recently, and um, I brought that with me rather than getting that shipped because it's really small and light. So. Um, that was a really nice one just to carry in my suitcase. Mm. And then I've got my uh, two mics, so my Audio-Technica AT2020. So that was my first mic I ever bought, which I really, really love. Um, it's such a good budget microphone. And I've also got my – so now I'm just talking through all of my equipment. <laughs> oh, no, it's clear you miss it. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, and I've got my uh, – uh, SE 4400, which I've got here, which is my uh, second microphone. Mm -hmm. And I kept my Launch Key Mini and my Launchpad X. So all of that I somehow fit into my suitcase. Um, and in my shipping container is my uh, 
uh, Yamaha HS7, so my monitors. And yeah, I love my monitors. So their names are Roger and Larry for, for right and left. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so they will be with me soon, uh, I hope. And also my Launch Key 49 is in there as well. And I also have an um, audience ID 14 for audio interface, which is in there as well. And um, I think I've got a couple of other surprises in there, which I've forgotten now, but um, I'm looking forward to, to having all that together because headphones are great, but at some stage you really want to hear things on monitors. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you don't want Roger and Larry to get bored, do you? No, exactly. That's right. (laughs) So in terms of um, the feedback you've had so far from women on the course, what have they been saying after they've taken one of the two of the courses? Oh, the feedback, honestly, is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing because it's so warm and encouraging and uh, because... To be honest, it's a lot of hard work running MPW at the moment. It's it's on my own, and um, and uh, it, the yeah, it's it's just a lot of work. So sometimes I I'm wondering why I'm why I'm kind of doing this, but then I'll get a really really nice review, and you know, every few days I'll get a nice message on Instagram or something from. Mm-hmm someone from some part of the world saying they really are so grateful for MPW's presence and and uh, and are really glad it's there and available as a resource and um, on you know the feedback on the course is has been really lovely on the course content but mainly I think something that I notice a lot is people really appreciate feeling part of something and not feeling like they're alone. So um, just mainly there's a lot of words about feeling really supported and encouraged and, um, yeah, just feeling part of a community. And and I think that's one of the most important things, like probably even more important than the course content is feeling somewhere where you feel comfortable and and you you can learn much more quickly that way. Yeah. And I think based on what you said earlier, reaching um, potential girls that might want to become producers or work in that kind of mm-hmm. avenue later is key, isn't it, to get them at school? Because I certainly wasn't aware, I hadn't even given a thought to this, that side of things when I was at school. I wouldn't have even imagined it, you know, as a career or even really known it existed. Mm-hmm. And I know I would have been interested in it. And I, so that must mean that, you know, hundreds of other girls might. So I know you've been doing exactly. some work with schools, haven't you? So what's that been like? I think you said you went and uh, taught a bunch of year nine girls, didn't you? Yeah, so I uh, that was at a school in South London. I um, I did a talk to a group. Uh, it was a girls' school, and I think there were about 300 year nine girls in the room and I remember thinking at the time that they are not going to care at all about what I have to say um but but you know I think when you're speaking to an audience if you have their attention or not and I really felt that I did and uh and at the end of it um it was so lovely so many of them came up to me and said you know this is awesome and something I'd love to learn or mm. something I'd love to know more about, which was really encouraging for me because it showed that, yes, there is an interest in this, especially when it's probably presented by someone that maybe they can relate to more um, than what they see out in the media. So um, that was really nice. And one of my goals for 2020 was to really ramp that up to do more talks and workshops in schools and um, and kind of get that interest up or keep it up really from a younger age. Obviously, from the situation now, that's gone out the window a little bit, but I, I hope once this all kind of um, passes that it's something that I'd be able to spend a lot more time doing. Yeah, and so it sounds like there's obviously been some good traction here, but maybe there's a little way to go yet. 
in terms of raising the profile further? Mm, definitely. I, I mean, uh, it, things have come a lot, uh, a long way from what they used to be. And I, I mean, I can't comment on that. I, I've only been doing this for, you know, four or five years. Yeah. And I know uh, incredible producers that have been in, in the industry for like 20, 30 years or whatever it is. And they tell me their stories and I'm like, wow, it's, it's a walk in the park for us, yeah. you know, but, um, but still uh, there's, there is still, um, a ways to go mm. but we're improving we're in the right direction yeah we're heading the right way I think um that's that's mm-hmm. for sure and um yeah. you're a producer and artist in your own right as you mentioned so mm-hmm. um you mentioned you got into it when you were at school so and then it took off mm-hmm. from there but then how now mm-hmm. do you juggle the artist and producer roles and I guess with your MPG role as well mm-hmm. um this is a really tough one and something that I'm trying to juggle, uh, you know, or have been trying to juggle for a little while is where do I kind of draw the line and, and keep time for my own project and my own art. And um, it's something I'm still working out, I guess, but um, uh, it's it's coming together. So I, I set a goal for myself this year to create something new every week and post it on social media every Tuesday. So mm-hmm. I call it XA Tuesday. Okay. And uh, it was a really scary thing for me to, you know, decide to do because uh, how I d- did it was to post it on my story saying this is something I'm going to do. So obviously everyone that's seen the story in my head knows that I'm going to do it. And, uh, and then, you know, I was having them kind of keep me accountable and I was like, well, now I've told these people I have to keep it up. And that's been really good actually, because that kept me creating on a weekly basis and is also making me kind of, uh, do it in a less precious way, because I think I realized, especially from previous releases, you can get stuck by getting just kind of hanging on to things for too long, but you need to be able to kind of move past it and, and finish tracks. And, and this yeah. is something I'm sure so many people can relate to mm-hmm. is all of the unfinished files, but I've just, uh, this process of creating every week has just allowed me to kind of finish things a lot more quickly. So, um, I think that's helping me to stay creative. And um, and have a bit more balance there, but it's still something that I think isn't perfect, and I need to continually work on and work out. And what is your typical approach to music production? How do you go about the whole situation? Uh, I I don't really have a way that I do it every time, so I think it changes every time so the most recent track I wrote actually was uh, a week ago and I finished it from start to finish in like five hours that never happened oh, wow. um, but uh, it's happened a couple of times and it's happening more often which is nice to be able to say but you know but obviously there's always going to be things that you start that you get stuck with but um this one started with I was washing the dishes and and this bass line came into my head. It was just literally four notes and it was so strong. I just kind of dropped what I was doing and got it down. And then everything just flowed really quickly. And then um, my dad actually was talking to me about, um, you know, what if what if aliens are already on this planet but they're so advanced. <laughs> compared to us that we don't even know that they're here. Like I could be one and you don't know. And maybe your friend is one and you don't know or whatever it is. And uh, somehow that sparked this story of uh, of like you having a, a relationship with someone and you and the whole thing is not what you think it is and it's not real. Um, and then the track ended up being called Alien and I really like it actually. I'll, um, I'll see what exactly I'm going to do with it. But um, so that one started with a bass line and then 
Uh, it all kind of built around this story. Um, and But other times I've, I've started tracks just with, um, uh, you know, with drums or um, other times it's just been me with a guitar just kind of singing and humming something along and creating a very kind of singer-songwritery song and then it's turned into something totally different when I start producing that. Um, so I think it just depends what I'm feeling at the time and what is drawing me most in, um, as far as inspiration goes. Sometimes it's just a sample of, of something cool that you hear that you really want to use somewhere. Yeah, I love that you're just plucking different examples, you know, from anything from something came to your head whilst you're washing up to, you know, your dad having some interesting conversations. What's he been watching, by the way? A lot of sci-fi, I'm guessing. Oh, what was he? Oh, I don't know. He comes up with some some random things some stuff, sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know how we, how we started talking about that. But, um, yeah, it, it came out randomly but uh, yeah so inspiration can come from such different forms and and I think especially now uh I'm sure there's a lot of inspiration happening all around the world from people being stuck where they are and and uh kind of wanting to do something different or have a creative outlet so I'd be interested to hear you know how other people are being inspired now Mm. but uh those are some of my ways I guess Okay, so um, we've got a couple of your tracks to talk about and we're going to start by playing a little bit of a track called My Bandage and then we're going to talk about that Mm -hmm. after. So I'm just going to play a bit of that now. Mm Looking for you everywhere it's hurt Is that your life that I heard? They told me signs wouldn't materialize Like everybody else can see you But I'm blind, where have you gone to? Gone to? I'm blind, where have you gone to? Gone to? I'm blind, where have you gone to? Can I get your attention? I'm not fine, but I'll manage Guess the time will be my bandage It tears off every part of So you said this story in particular had a bit of an intense kind of um, backstory to it. So do you want to tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so that song was released on the 21st of November 2019. So it was a year on from um, that day in 2018 uh, when uh, one of my closest friends passed away. So it was completely unexpected thing that none of us you know could have imagined was going to happen and Goodness, I'm so sorry it to was hear literally that. one day she was... hmm? I'm so sorry to hear that oh yes um yeah it's uh it, it yeah I mean it was it was a really tough time and um and uh and I was kind of obviously dealing with this at that time and I'd never really dealt with death at this proximity mm. up until this point or was lucky to not have dealt with that. And um, so I just was really struggling with it and um, and I didn't really understand what I was feeling as well. And there were so many different aspects. Obviously there was a loss and grief and, but there was also this anger as well, which I couldn't explain because I was speaking to my friends at the time and I don't know, they seemed to have some stories that, oh, you know, I I felt 
one of my friends was saying, I felt she was there. She sent me this sign or this happened. And I was speaking to her mom and she was like, yep, she's there. Like I got this sign and all this stuff. And I was like, where's my sign? You know, like, uh, it was just this crazy irrational thought that I was like, what, you know, we didn't mean enough to each other that you can't send me a sign, you know? And like, I, I was just so angry at her and then so upset at myself for being angry at her. So it was, this was another track that came together in, in one night. And um, I think it was just so strong what I was feeling that it just kind of came out in, in this um, track. And, um, and yeah, and, and I decided to release that on the year from the day she passed away and as like a, a you know, a way to remember her. But I, I think it was a really bad idea because it, it kind of brought back all of that. And it was a really, really hard time during that release. And, um, uh, but you know, I, I've still since kind of dealt with it and, and I know she's, she's in a better place, but, um, yeah, so that was the inspiration behind that, and and it's still a track that means really a, a lot to me, and um, and I hope is something that can make her proud wherever she is. Um, and this was this was actually the track that um, was chosen by Novation as well when uh, the launch key came out. So I sent them a few tracks, and they. They really, really loved this one, and and that I felt I kind of started our relationship as well. Um, so MPW Innovation with this track, and I felt like she was kind of helping me with that. So, um, so yes, that's the story behind that track. Yeah, I can definitely see why you picked that one out now, and it sounds like it was sort of you know helpful in a small way you know helping you go through the process I suppose to kind of make your feelings known in a creative way Mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure and and that's the thing I guess with anyone for whom being creative is an outlet for for a time where you you have such strong emotions it, it can be a form of therapy really Mm, yeah definitely and you know you won't be the first or last musician to kind of go through difficult situations and you know get those feelings out and sometimes it can create you know the most beautiful music out of a real horrible place Mm. yeah for sure and um Mm. another one of the tracks that you um pointed out was one called consumerism so um let's Mm -hmm. have a little bit of a listen to this one and then chat about the inspiration behind Mm -hmm. this Mm mm-hmm got a completely different vibe um so what was the inspiration behind this one so this one um being quite blatant i think in every way with this one with the title of it with the lyrics um so it's just about overconsumption in society uh today i mean not today because obviously our consumption has gone down a lot yeah um in the last you know couple of months but Um, 
I, I really think as a species, we've just gone crazy with the amount that we need to survive. It's just ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, and this need to always have new this and new that, that, you know, what's it for really just to fill this void. And it became more and more apparent to me when I, when I moved to the UK from Australia with a suitcase and everything I owned was in this suitcase and I'd never felt more light and happy, mm. honestly, than I had then when I didn't own anything. I, I I had, you know, when I found my flat, I had the little that I had kind of set up nicely. There was just no mess anywhere. Like I was like, wow, this is amazing, you know, and, and I had all this, stuff in you know my house back in Australia and I was like I don't miss any of it why did I own all these things and from then I decided I'm never going to buy anything that doesn't have a proper purpose Mm -hmm. and even clothes since then I stopped buying new clothes so everything I've, I've bought from that time two years ago has been from a charity shop and there's so much good stuff available you know that's secondhand and um we don't need to keep buying new stuff especially with you know the fast fashion industry today it's just it's crazy how disposable everything is um so yeah i'm just talking about that essentially in a bit of a sarcastic way um in this song about um you know this person that's they're excited about sales and buying a bunch of things and um and they still never feel satisfied mm. um so yeah it's quite a strong opinion I'd say but I believe quite strongly in it so <laughs> yeah I know when you see those videos of the landfills and just when you hear about the fashion industry of you know clothes getting thrown away with tags on and just how disposable it all is it is sickening yeah. actually isn't it it is. If anyone hasn't watched uh, the documentary called The True Cost, I would 100% recommend. It's so good. Anyone that's a consumer of clothes, which is all of us, needs to know where it's coming from. And, uh, and yeah, it, yeah, everyone should see it. <laughs> okay. What's the name of that um, documentary again? The True Cost. The True Cost. Okay. I think it's on Netflix. Oh, I have to check that one out. Yeah. I've got a lot it. of Netflix time yeah, now, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> okay, and we've got one more track which you suggested we listen to, which is Wizened Eyes. So we're just going to listen to a little bit of that one now and then we'll chat about the inspiration Wizened. behind this. Oh, Wizened, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Am I saying that? Is that an accent thing or am I just being a moron? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's being wise, so it's like eyes that are wise. <laughs> okay, rather than old. Okay, yeah, that does make more sense actually. Um okay, yes. Yeah, so we'll listen to wise and eyes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the inspiration behind this one then? So this one uh, is about old people. So <laughs> <laughs> like we were saying, I guess, um, I, I have a really, really close relationship with, with my grandparents, with all of them actually. So mm. my, my grandma and her uh, love for traditional Indian music is kind of what got me into 
music as well from a young age. And um, But I feel like sometimes we can kind of get so wrapped up in our lives and we can kind of take, you know, their opinions for granted and, and kind of discount them for uh, without realizing how much they've gone through in their lives and that there's probably a lot of experience behind what they're saying. And, um, and uh, yeah, sometimes I feel like I've, uh, yeah, maybe not added as much value to something that I've heard from either my grandparents or, or other people um, that are a bit older, but then, down the line realize that there was a lot of wisdom there, but I just completely missed it. Mm. Um, so it's about that again, but again, written in, in the sarcastic way, which is I think sometimes how I tend to try and get my point across for some reason. I think maybe that's um, Britain rubbing off on you a bit there. <laughs> maybe not talking about the thing directly, but just trying to make the point around it somehow yeah and be sarcastic about everything I don't know why we do that I apologize on everyone's behalf (laughs) that's all good uh but but yeah I I um I quite like like that track actually and um it it, it's fairly minimalist in what's going on Mm. in it um but but yeah that's that one Okay. And so I know in terms of things you've got coming up, we're going to go Inception here. We're going to talk about a podcast on a podcast. It's all a bit mental, but <laughs> you, you've just launched a new podcast, what you hope to be a podcast series, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's called the MPW podcast, which is an extension of what MPW or Music Production for Women is. But I've purposely left out uh, – the full title and it's just the MPW podcast, um, uh, in all podcast platforms. So what it aims to be is a podcast series where each episode talks about a different aspect of music production with an expert in the field. So I've got some really incredible guests that I'm so glad have, um, you know, taken their time to be on this podcast um, and uh, and where we talk about each topic but keep it really, really conversational and um, kind of go through it for someone that might not have had that much to do with that topic before. So mm. the first one, for example, is what is music production? Because I think even that can be vague for some people of like, what exactly is it and what is the job of a music producer? And that's changed a lot over the years as well. Um, so going through that, the second episode, we talk about um, DAWs, so uh, digital audio workstations and production software, and what are they used for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the aim is for it to be a really nice and kind of fun educational resource um, for the everyday musician rather than for an engineer. So um, someone that's wanting to learn about what this is. And and I think it could be a good resource, not just for musicians, but even, uh, you know, I was speaking to a music manager once and she was like, I would love to hear this because um, sometimes when I'm working in management, I'm expected to know a few things about this that I don't and don't really want to ask someone about so um yeah so the point is to to kind of talk about these things and yeah for it to be accessible to everyone in music even from a starting level okay and I know you are working on new music I think and you said it's going to sound a little bit different from perhaps some of the examples that we've played today so what are your plans Mm -hmm. for maybe doing another album one day so, yeah, that's exactly what I'm working on, which is an album. So I've never released an album before. I've released two EPs and a few singles. Um, and this album has kind of come together over the last year and a half or so. And um, 
I'm really proud of it, to be honest. I, I think I somehow feel like I've found my signature sound in this album and um, and I'm really excited to get it out there, but I, I kind of want to have a bit of a solid strategy before I I work out exactly what I'm going to do with it. So um, it's, it's there, like the tracks are there. They just um, need a bit of polishing at this stage, which is what I'm working on. And then I'm going to see who I can get involved to help out with the release mm-hmm. and hopefully get that out um, in not the too distant future. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, I've seen my production kind of grow and change over the last few years and and what I'm, I think I'm getting better at, which maybe I, I wasn't as good at when I first started was the less is more strategy of sometimes if something doesn't sound finished, it's not that it needs more, but it's just maybe taking a few elements out. And so I think um, it's quite minimalist, but each element in the album has a purpose. So, um, yeah, maybe it's going with my consumerism and minimalism (laughs) outlook on life. Yeah, maybe. Okay, well, we can't wait to hear it. And um, just want to say thank you so much for joining us today and sparing the time. I know it's kind of a weird time for everyone at the moment. And um, we very much hope that you're reunited with Roger and Larry very soon. (laughs) Thank you. It's been lovely. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Okay, hopefully catch up with you sometime soon then. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much, Zylo. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.